0: Wrestling fans, how you do it! You are listening to the next era in pro wrestling analysis. Welcome to Wrestle Radio. I'm Tommy Sharp alongside Graham GSM Matthews, here to bring you the front to NWWE coverage that you deserve. Listen online at NextEraWrestling.net. Graham, a pleasure as always. Let's kick things off today with a bang! As we head into the depths of Hell in a Cell, we are presented with a blockbuster set of announcements. Coming out of RAW, women's champion Sasha Banks challenged Charlotte to a Hell in a Cell matchup. This is something that we have been privately hoping for, discussing, and talking about for at least a couple of months, looking at the landscape of what Hell in a Cell in the Boss's hometown of Boston, See what I did there? <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. What do you think of this announcement? And we'll talk about some of the other announcements coming in and playing a role at Hell in a Cell.
1: Well, first and foremost, selfishly speaking, we called it here first, on yeah. WrestleRant Radio. Just to, just to say that. Just to say that. But, yeah, I like the idea a lot. Uh, first, the women main event Raw for the first time in over a decade a few weeks back. Great match. We see the rematch, the fourth and final match, hopefully, between Sasha Banks and Charlotte for the Women's Championship It has yet to be announced, whether it's going to be the main event of the pay-per-view or not. I would imagine it would be. It's the most heated feud in the entire show. Um, the match should be great, but I like the announcement, the endorsement from the women's wrestling enthusiast, Mick Foley, the Raw general manager. I thought it went very well on Monday night, really. Kind of a progressive segment for the women to kick off the show with Rusev saying, you guys don't belong in this cell. Women can't meet an event, can't, uh, can't you know, step inside Satan's structure. And they proved them wrong. They went to battle later on in the night. Great intergender tag team match. I love the idea of the women going to war inside the cell come October 30th.
0: And absolutely no stepping down. On either side, whether it was Charlotte, whether it was Sasha, whether it was the both of them addressing the comments from Rusev, there was nothing but in-your-face attitude from everyone involved, and that's the kind of thing that this structure brings out of people when you can't have interference from someone like Dana Brooke, when you don't have the support of someone like Bailey trying to help even even the odds, mm-hmm. when you have people doubting you like Rusev and Lana. These are the things that fuel the reason to. Have a structure surround you so that the fight is definitive. And that's what we're going to see between Sasha Banks and Charlotte. You are dead on accurate saying that this feud is potentially the most heated feud right now with the most amount of fuel behind it. And the boss has everything to continue to prove to the WWE Universe that she is the boss and that Charlotte might be a queen, but in her own mind. So I expect to see... The same level of death-defying, completely off-the-wall athleticism from these two competitors now expanded by their imagination of what they can do inside Satan's structure, Hell in a Cell. This is going to be phenomenal to see, and I will be there in person, so I will be able to tell you... I just found out that I am uh, uh, lucky enough to have a friend who is not going with another friend, and I will be 11 rows away from this action come October 30th at the... Uh, in Boston at the Garden, so in the TD Garden. TD Garden can't wait, can't miss this. A um, uh, lot of things. And speaking of Rusev and even Roman Reigns in the in the uh, uh, mixed tag match that we had later that night, Sasha Banks and the U.S. Uh, the Women's Champion Sasha Banks, U.S. Champion Roman Reigns defeated Charlotte and Rusev. An interesting combo in Charlotte and Rusev, seeing two very uh, uh, focused athletic competitors mm-hmm. team up against two very uh, prominent uh, babyfaces right now. I, I thought that it was it was really great to see the amount of tenacity that Sasha Banks had for just always wanting to be in the ring, tearing away at Charlotte. And how Rusev really felt like he had to be patient. He was really put in a corner and forced to comply. Mm-hmm. and I don't think that that bothered Roman Reigns as much as it did for Rusev. I don't think
1: so, no. Nothing,
0: not, not a lot of things bother Roman Reigns, it seems. He's, he's, he's the kind of guy that just kind of shrugs things off he and lets it roll it. off his shoulders. Mm-hmm. He's definitely taken his fair share of abuse from not only the WWE universe but from the, uh, the athletes in the WWE. So uh, I feel like he doesn't have as much of a chip on his shoulder as one would perceive that he might have used to have. Uh, I think as a champion, he's settling into this role very well. He looked as much of a champion next to the WWE Women's Champion, Sasha Banks. And to see that match come together uh, and see how they would approach that and the fluidity that they had uh, as a team, uh, I think that that absolutely got them the win over Charlotte and Rusev. That was really great to see. And Lana doing her best to make sure that it
1: didn't go that way. Absolutely. I mean, Roman Reigns right now, I'm more focused on Rusev because it feels like Roman Reigns is in the driver's seat. Because if you really think about, this feud has been going on for maybe two, three months at this point between the Big Dog and the Bulgarian Brew over the U.S. Championship. And Roman Reigns, more often than not, has got the upper hand over Rusev. Rusev is really the one who has something to prove. He's 0-2, I believe, against Roman Reigns. He beat him on the Raw before SummerSlam, of course, the Clash of Champions, the third and final match inside Hell in a Cell in Boston in a few more weeks Uh, So I feel like it's do or die time for Roman Reigns, or rather for Rusev. If he can't beat Roman Reigns inside the cell, he's done. Where does Rusev go beyond that pay-per-view? He's been obsessed with the United States Championship for so long. That's, you know, dating back to when he was feeding with John Cena a year or two years ago. So really, if he can't get the job done in Boston, where does he go beyond hell in the cell? Which is my primary question right now.
0: That's a a very good point because of the other blockbuster announcement that we have when We were also addressed by the advocate for the Beast Incarnate, Paul Heyman, who had a challenge for Goldberg after Goldberg had appeared on ESPN off the top rope with uh, the coach. And um, it is an interesting, going back to Rusev before we dive into that, if he proves to fail again against Roman Reigns and chooses to use that as fuel to go after, say, the Universal Championship, he is definitely in line with the people that are currently going after that same championship. Mm-hmm. There is not as long of a line at the U.S. Uh, uh, for the US title right now. Roman Reigns has that pretty well locked down. So does Rusev continue to fight windmills and go up against a wall or does he stand in line and it just doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy to wait. He has been saying for months that he is the whole show, that he is the top superstar on Raw. What will we see between them? Will Will we see a, a, a dream match of mine down the line would be to see someone like Rusev take on competitors like Braun Strowman, can take on competitors like uh, Brock Lesnar, just to see true heavyweights fight true heavyweights. That's, that's something I've, I've always been interested in. Uh, and, and seeing how those types of uh, matches will come up because it is just primal competition between them. There's no no heat needs to be added to that, no arrogance. Lana doesn't have to play any more of a role than just being a, a, a general manager for Rusev and, and and just a support role for Rusev. So that would be interesting to see Rusev take a different focus, although I think the path to him becoming a universal champion on Raw is definitely a winding and well, a path with a lot of roadblocks in it.
1: I mean, there's a lot of people in that picture right now. I could definitely see that down the line. I would love to see the interesting matches of him against... We've seen him against Rollins before, but not in that capacity a few weeks ago. Him and Kevin Owens. Him and Chris Jericho. There's a lot of people fighting for that Universal Championship right now with Y2J, Rollins, Owens. But Rusev would be right in that picture. He would not feel out of place whatsoever. He's been here in the company for two, two and a half years at this point. He has proven his worth, that he can go on that level. And I could certainly see him as a threat to the Universal Championship, probably down the line. Maybe yeah. even sooner rather than later. Absolutely.
0: And and then now circling back to that big announcement or big challenge from the advocate, Paul Heyman, um, what did you think about... I mean, the writing was somewhat on the wall after Goldberg had appeared and made the comments that he did on Off the Top Rope on ESPN. Uh, he said something to the effect of... Um, he doesn't. He he would feel uh, the sentiment was that he would feel remiss if he didn't basically challenge Brock Lesnar again, because he does have a, a a record over Brock Lesnar. But if he were to come back in, he doesn't feel like he has. He still has something that he he feels like he still has something to prove to himself and maybe to the current landscape of competition. The fact that Brock Lesnar it has been doing this now for a few years. Um I, I I was surprised by that a little bit. Um, I was definitely hoping to see him maybe take on a competitor similar to himself, which we talked about last week, in Braun Strowman, who has been running rampant through competitors uh, on Raw. Anyone that they throw at him, and especially this week when they threw the Splash Brothers at him, uh, a two-on-one competition we'll talk about in a minute. But that's what I was hoping for, something that, that was a little more grounded. This is definitely another... Uh, 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 idea that pops up from from time to time of these one-off dream matches. We've seen them together before. What What is your take on the history of them as competitors before and what Goldberg might have to do to prepare himself for the Brock Lesnar beast that we have now?
1: Well, I think with a lot of people, when you hear Goldberg's coming back, the first question that comes to mind is what dream matches can Goldberg have against the Braun Strowman, against a Roman Reigns, and I think people tend to overlook... The most obvious matchup, the one that we have unfinished business uh, business with between Brock Lesnar and Goldberg. The last time we saw these two in the ring together, as you mentioned, was WrestleMania 20, Goldberg beat Brock Lesnar, and both guys left. Brock Lesnar came back a lot sooner than Goldberg did. But if you really look at it, Brock Lesnar has lost only a handful of matches. Not only since he came back, but in his entire WWE in career. In
0: general, Brock Lesnar does not lose.
1: He does not typically lose more often than not. And everyone who has beaten him... From Triple H to John Cena to The Undertaker to whoever else, Kurt Angle, he has overcome that obstacle. He has gotten that win back. Conquered. He has conquered. Thank you. Great word and perfectly fitting for the Beast. But he has never conquered Goldberg because he hasn't been back. He is the only blemish on the Brock Lesnar record of people that he's that he has lost to, but has never gotten that win back. Over now that he is back, he has that opportunity.
0: And it's one thing to to allude to the circumstances, you know, since Goldberg left. Obviously, you can't just conquer someone that no longer participates, right? But the the heads up move by Goldberg to say that that would be the first place to start, I think, is interesting because it almost pays respect to the beast, to Paul Heyman, and saying you you are the competition. If I were to come back and I and I would have to admittedly train my ass off to get to that point, then you would be the competition that the, the only competition I would consider. It's interesting because Paul Heyman takes almost everything as some kind of antagonistic shot across the bow of the beast, and uh, he didn't really necessarily have to. Goldberg didn't really necessarily say anything negative about either Paul Heyman or Brock Lesnar, but Paul Heyman being the, the, the wily coyote that he is, he definitely fueled and stoked that fire to put in some of that antagonizing and it seems like it worked because Goldberg has been confirmed to appear next Monday night on Raw coming up to address this challenge from Paul Heyman. So we will see where that leads. I'm very excited to see that. But in talking about my own personal disappointment that we will not get to see Braun Strowman, a new talent facing a iconic talent like Goldberg, Braun Strowman seems to be getting more progressively fed up With the types of competitors that Mick Foley is assigning to him on Raw. He defeated another team of uh, of virtual unknowns, the the Splash Brothers. Honestly, the Splash Brothers probably looked like the most formatted and together (laughs) competitors to date that have gone up against Braun Strowman in the the recent weeks, but still vanquished very quickly. Uh, uh, That was snuffed out quite easily by Braun Strowman. Where does he go from here? Where, where do you see this all leading? Obviously, a confrontation with Mick Foley is brewing. What, what are your thoughts?
1: It, it's a really all a matter of who wants to step up to Braun Strowman. I mean, he's already gone up against one competitor. Two competitors has seen this past weekend Raw. Every time I think of Braun Strowman, it brings back memories of Ryback from several years ago, who defeated one competitor and then two competitors at once. Obviously, Braun Strowman isn't saying, feed me more, but he is saying, I want more competition. And he leapt, he, he jumped over a huge, you know, a lot of guys in the pecking order, he went straight from beating enhancement talent to going right after the WWE champion. So I don't think it's too far of a stretch, too much of a stretch to say that we could see Braun Strowman in the universal championship picture in the very near future. And
0: that's part of that whole landscape of what if. What if. Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, and maybe even Chris Jericho, all burn each other out, and 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 someone like Rusev, Brock Lesnar, or even someone like Braun Strowman comes in, has a match, and captures that Universal Title. It is now in the hands of someone that is a little bit more destructive than, say, the 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 integrity or or, or intelligence, if you will, of Seth Rollins, or the the conniving, underhandedness of someone like Kevin Owens. It would be interesting to see how those heavyweights start playing more of a role in the universal title picture. So I, I, I'm, I, I'm interested to see what uh, general manager Mick Foley has in store for Braun Strowman coming down the line. Um, but uh, speaking of smaller competition, uh, in cruiserweight action, we saw two very interesting matches and a debut announcement by one Sin Cara officially uh, entering himself into the cruiserweight division I think this was something that I have been waiting for to see which existing talent prior to the cruiserweight uh, uh, division um, debut would then migrate to being specifically cruiserweight athletes mm-hmm. to see Sinkara teaming up with uh, Lince, Lince Dorado Lindsay Dorado what a great what a great combination of of style and energy and, and presentation. I just thought that that was uh, exactly the kind of uh, cruiserweight tag match, and clearly they had uh, uh, a similar enough vein to get a win over Tony Nese and Drew Gulak. I am definitely a big Tony Nese fan. He's definitely looking strong. I feel like he had his own kind of agenda, and he definitely works better as a solo guy. Drew Gulak was willing to be more of a teammate, but I don't think that they quite gelled as a team, as individual competitors, I think they're all pretty evenly matched at one on one. But as a team, Sincara and Lindsay, they, they really got the job done and and they did it with a, a degree of ease. What did you see in that match?
1: I thought it was interesting just because it has been announced that Tony Nese and Drew Gulak are in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Correct. And they came up short here. So I don't know if that puts Sincara and Lindsay Dorado in competition. I'm not exactly sure how that works out. But. I do like the idea, as you said, of adding established guys to this division. Because right now, we have a lot of great wrestlers. You and I, we watch the CWC. A majority of the fans who watch Raw probably didn't. They don't know who Drew Gallick is or Tony Nese or Lince Dorado. They know Sin Cara. Um, they may not necessarily care about Sin Cara right now. But I think the more you add you know, more in athletes that people recognize and are familiar with and they give that rub to a Lince Dorado or a Tony Nese the more people will get around to caring and kind of investing, I think is the right word, in this division. So I hope Sincar is a good start, but I'm hoping it's only a matter of time before we see a guy like Neville enter that division where I feel like he could run rampant over those guys. Oh,
0: that's that's what I've been holding out for. I really have been holding out for that to see who's going to be next and not just what new international or otherwise unknown, you know, in quotes, talent Mm -hmm. is appearing. To the casual fan, yeah. Yeah, but, but to see someone like Neville start to thrive in that picture would be would be just phenomenal since neville since there is no intercontinental belt existing on raw right now that tier that neville would thrive in you know in the position that dolph ziggler is in 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 smackdown right now Mm -hmm. that would be the same type of uh people's hero type role that neville would would definitely ascend to but since that's not there the ascension to the cruiserweight title has to be on his mind at some level so, uh, and speaking of our cruiserweight champion, TJ Perkins, he had a match la- uh, on, on Monday. What did you think of his match and his opponent?
1: I thought it was good. We saw um, He We saw him in the Cruiserweight Classic. Lost in the first round, um, but I thought he had a good showing. It was an all-right match against Tony Perkins. Uh, sorry, uh, Tony Perkins. That's from heavyweights. TJ Perkins uh, came around, and I thought he had a good showing here. He'll also be in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, so he's kind of dividing his time between NXT and Monday Night Raw. He's got a lot of things to focus on right now. So he faced Daivari uh, on Monday, and he won. He is currently in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, replacing Hideo Tommy, teaming with Kodayabushi, a dream team beyond all implications, which uh, is amazing. blew my mind. Blew my mind as well when I saw that. And also, come hell in the cell, he's got... A, the, the, reason why well, the reason why I'm saying this is that, come hell in the cell, he will defend his Cruiserweight Championship against Brian Kendrick. Yes. So he's got a lot of different things going on right now, and that may serve as a factor in why he may lose the championship very in Boston.
0: damaged Brian Kendrick as well, just uh, kind of at odds with himself internally. and with I his, love that his, segment, his yes. Role, yep. His role in this division is definitely something that he seems somewhat reluctant to to accept mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like that reluctance will either push him over the edge and give him a, a brutality uh, element that TJ Perkins might not be willing to touch it within him uh, and uh, or it will make him distracted enough that TJ Perkins will go out and do what he does best and that is fly around faster than you can imagine and, and get a, a decisive victory over you and that's what he did this past Monday against Davari. um Another thing that TJ Perkins really proved on Monday is that he is able to absorb a lot of hits. He he took some pretty good shots and Davari did definitely I feel like especially after his loss in the CWC had something to prove and he came out and did and put his all and had a huge opportunity to win a pinfall on the champ. Didn't came up short, but TJ Perkins definitely had to absorb a lot and overcome a lot in that match to do that and that seems to be his MO. He is able to endure and still come out on top, and still do it with enough style and, and flash that makes him the standout of the cruiserweight division for right now. Um, excellent stuff. And and speaking of standing out and people that we would love to see in the cruiserweight division, uh, we also saw. And let me let me get what you you make of this. Sami Zayn and Neville defeated Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. Love the te- Like love that team of Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. Bo is is somewhere uh, lost in his own mind right now. And it was interesting to see Sami Zayn and, and Neville team up. Uh, they've, they've done uh, a little bit of that in the past. Uh, what did you feel, especially about the, the, the way that the match finished
1: up? I think the match was interesting. There's a lot of things to analyze here. Like you said, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, when it looked like we're getting a reunion of the social outcasts, then Bo Dallas walks off on Axel after he took the loss for the team. So it looks like that team's no more. So we'll see how that develops in the weeks ahead. And then we had Sami Zayn and Neville, who, as you said, have plenty of history. Sami Zayn beat Neville to win his first NXT championship. They teamed up at SummerSlam in a kickoff, beating the Dudley Boys. So they have wins under their belt. Um, I think that could be a very interesting, entertaining addition to this already stacked tag team division on Monday Night Raw. They have such great chemistry. Neither guy is really doing anything right now. Sami Zayn was, bu- was busy with Chris Jericho for a few weeks. That went nowhere. Neville's really been floundering for the fa- for the past three months since he came back. So I think this is a great use of both guys, and they could really be a threat to the New Day if Cesaro and Sheamus can't get the job done in Hell in a Cell. I would love to see Neville and Z- uh, Sami Zayn go after that tag team oh, title.
0: Absolutely. And, and speaking of of uh, Cesaro, uh, he had a match against Kofi Kingston. New Day came out as as they as they tend to do, very boisterous, very very pop and, and flash. And uh, and then Cesaro comes out to face face Kofi Kingston. I, I I was so divided on who I really was was able to root for in this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously I, I give a nod to the champs uh, to Kofi Kingston for having to uh, you know have, having having uh, uh, enough uh, of a reputation behind him to really be a formidable competitor against Cesaro. But also, Cesaro is unfortunately forced and paired up with Sheamus, who cost him this match. Mm. And uh, I'm not sure if we saw an injury from Kofi Kingston or not. Uh, You know, uh, he is as high-flying and and, and as much of a daredevil as anyone, and that will catch up to you at times I hate I hate using the word botched. I hate the idea that everything has to be somehow video game perfect for people out there. They're humans. These are incredible feats of athleticism to pull off, including coordination, muscle control, uh, agility, uh, awareness, like everything that goes into it. I mean, this is like Peter Parker's spider sense going crazy. And occasionally Kofi Kingston will have those moments. Everyone will. Where you take, and that's why they call it high risk. You take that risk on, you go for those moves, expecting big impact and maybe a one, two, three fall. But if you... Have any one thing out of place, the 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 fall could be on you, and it was, and and that is uh, definitely what could have led to Kofi Kingston losing that match, but he did not defeated Cesaro and and furthering the tension between Cesaro and Sheamus. I'm not sure how long this can last.
1: Sheamus couldn't have cared less. As you could probably tell, he was on social media throughout the entire match, showing zero interest on his, in Kofi, on his phone, on Twitter, then to Facebook Live. He was all over the place. I wouldn't be surprised if he jumped on tout for a little while. But, you know, he showed no interest in the match whatsoever. And uh, Cesaro losing a match against Kofi Kingston does not exactly give the challengers any momentum heading into Hell in the Cell. They're already the underdogs. New Day have been tag team champions for over 400 days. They are already in uh, at a disadvantage here, are... Uh, Cesaro and Sheamus going after the tag team titles. If they can't get the job done at Hell in a Cell again, we've seen cohesive tag teams fall to the New Day. We've seen makeshift tag teams fall to the New Day. Y2 AJ, for example. Uh, Could Cesaro and Sheamus be the team to finally unseat them as tag team champions? It's possible. But this isn't giving many a faith, though. The fact that they lost on Monday. (laughs) No,
0: no, it's true. It seems like they will get the opportunity because they both work hard they're both incredibly talented competitors but they will be their own worst enemy and it is proven almost every week now that they cannot get the job done because of the distraction that either one of them causes and they, they are so they're so petty with with their with their attitudes towards each other it is it is probably getting to a boiling point And I don't know if it'll require another best of seven series just to to get it all out there, just get them all back, uh, you know, uh, feeling like they can go their separate ways. Uh, But that will that will uh, come to come to some sort of fruition, hopefully through Hell in a Cell, you know, drag, drag each other through hell all the way leading up to it and then have it out and be done with it. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. in other, in other raw news, we had a, a handful of other things that were boiling and coming to the surface this week. It was really interesting to see. Uh, uh, Bayley had a, had a fantastic match against Cammie Fields. Uh, what did you think about uh, the fact that Bayley made it somewhat of an announcement that she's not exactly starting over from the bottom, but she certainly needs to work her, 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 her skill set back into that main event picture. And she realizes that that's where the work needs to be done. And she's not afraid to put in that work. Do you think that this was a good kickoff for her? Do you think that Cammy was maybe a little bit too unprepared for the skill set that Bailey had?
1: I think this is where Bailey should have started from the get-go. I mean, when she first arrived on Raw, she set her sights, as she probably should have, on the Women's Champion. She fell short of Clash of Champions, and now she's back at the at the back of the line for the Raw Women's Championship picture for the title contention. Now she's got to work her way back up, first beating Anna Fields, then Cammie Fields. I don't know if she has a problem with the Mrs. Fields cookies brand. I'm not exactly sure what's going on with that, but <laughs> these various victories are going to build her more credibility. But what I found most interesting about all of this, more so than the match itself or even Bailey's road to redemption, was the fact that Dana Brooke took exception to this, attacking Bailey afterwards. And I like that kind of, you know, worthwhile program for Bailey to keep both of them busy. Like you said, Dana Brooke has zero factors; she cannot play a factor in the women's championship match at Hell in a Cell. It's inside Hell in a Cell. Where does Dana Brooke go from here? She targets the woman wow. who. You know, you know that attacked her last week on Monday Night Raw. So I like that little feud for right now, and hopefully it gets Bailey back in the uh, title contention before long. Well, and speaking of petty, Dana Brooke is nothing but petty, mm-hmm. and
0: and uh, obviously the the injury or the the beating that she took from Bailey prior to Charlotte losing the WWE Women's Title to uh, Sasha Banks is got to be under her skin all the time. If she's not getting enough you know trash talk thrown at her from Charlotte for not being by her side during that match. She's definitely going to take out that frustration on the person that caused her to not be by Charlotte's side during that match. So, will we will we see Bailey and and Dana Brooke have their moment? I feel like it's got to be brewing and building to that and Dana Brooke gets to basically sit back somehow with Raw General Manager Mick Foley and and, and Stephanie McMahon somehow Dana Brooke has found a way to not be involved in competition on the regular basis, but somehow weasel her nose into everybody's business. It's a unique role. It's a very Stephanie McMahon tactic. Absolutely. So, so I, I want to say that there is potential for favoritism there, and, uh, and and potentially Mick Foley is being given uh, instructions to, to do so and to create some of these matches, or at least being suggested strongly to do these things. That's that, that's That's what it appears to be. Um, but uh, time will tell how that uh, all unfolds. Um, and then, uh, uh, speaking of uh, you know the way that uh, uh, Dana Brooke tried to get into Bailey's face, and there was an altercation. Another altercation this week: Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson attacking Enzo Amore and Big Cass. What do you think that statement really says coming from Gallows and Anderson? They're not going after the champs, so what are they
1: trying to say here? I mean, we've talked about it before: the club coming off their countless losses to New Day at SummerSlam and then again at Clash of Champions on Raw the next night. They have something to prove. They have to also, a lot like Bailey, work their way back up in title contention. And who better to knock off, if it's not the New Day, the, most, the second most popular act on the entire Raw roster or in the entire company, Enzo and Cass. I mean, these guys are on fire right now. They were about to take on Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel for the aforementioned tag team match. And they couldn't because they were attacked by the club beforehand. So again, I like this feud for right now. Um, Enzo and Cass, another team that's really been kind of not doing much of no. They had their little thing with the shining stars that wasn't really paid off in any real meaningful way. But I like this a lot. It gets club back on track. It gets Enzo and Cass another opportunity to prove themselves and hopefully enter themselves into the tag team title picture at some point too. Uh,
0: yes, that would be that would obviously be the motivation that they're looking for. They need to prove themselves, especially to management, that. There really is no other choice for competitors, and we're gonna keep attacking the people that we feel could be, be a, a potential threat or even have more of a spotlight than us. And and we don't care anymore. They're not being funny. There's no games. It's just straight up, you know, underhanded tactics by these guys. And, and we'll see how that uh, you know plays a role going forward. Um, interesting enough, too, um, in kind of lighter news, um, we saw our truth. Uh, go up against Titus O'Neil, defeating Titus O'Neil. Our um, Truth, uh, a, a tenured veteran, teamed up with another tenured veteran, and, and getting to see Goldust is, is never going to get old for me. I love Goldie, um, and I love the kind of blind faith he has in r Truth. What did you? Th- where, what do you think about <clears throat> Titus O'Neil right now? He he has gone from um, uh, after coming back from his suspension, um, uh, which is just. All sorts of red flags in its own right. But since that time, he has been put down, dogged, made to be mean, and it seems to be really affecting his entire mentality. Uh, obviously, our truth is probably one of the most upbeat and, and just uh, gentle souls of the WWE. Really, not, not just interested in having a good time, he's also a fiery competitor, loves to show off. Uh, and love to be part of the show and 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 really get a win. But win or lose, our truth is gonna be our truth. Titus O'Neil seems like he he's really kind of getting to that boiled over, frustrated point. What, what do you what do you see in Titus right now?
1: It's weird. The most entertaining stuff with Titus that I've seen has not been on Raw. The Our Truth match was just was what it was. They were fighting over some payday product placement or whatever. But I don't know. If, I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen it. But post Raw on the Raw Fallout videos they do on YouTube. He has these press conferences. The whole make it a win thing, I think, is good for him. It's a good character development thing for him. He has these press conferences, and there's no one there. He asks for questions for people to ask him questions, and the only guy sitting in the crowd every single time is Tom Phillips, and he puts Tom Phillips down. So I think it's a good role for uh, Tedis O'Neill. He has kind of a rivalry right now with the microphones because he keeps on dropping microphones. They stop working in his hand. It's the weirdest thing, <laughs> but uh, I think it's a great little direction for him. I think right now, the whole thing with Darren Young was a massive train wreck. Again, not really paid off in any meaningful manner. Um, and Losing our truth will not help his case any, but I think what the, what they're doing with Titus, I think they need to, or at least him, whoever it is, they need to transition what he's doing behind the scenes on the Raw follow and on YouTube and stuff like that, which happens a lot. It seems like a lot of the more, more entertaining stuff, whether it be Talking Smack, YouTube, or whatever, all the better mic work of these guys happens on those shows. So I would love to see it move to Raw, and I think Titus O'Neil could find direction before long if that was the case.
0: Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And speaking of good mic work um we certainly had enough time listening to chris jericho on monday to really really you know uh warm the soul if you have a black heart um chris jericho continuing his list of jericho continuing he, uh being involved in every every kind of facet of the world that kevin owens is a part of right now as wwe universal champion and he was rewarded for somehow insulting Mick Foley and, and coming up with a laundry list of, of things that he does not approve of on his list of Jericho. It, he, he was awarded a match against Seth Rollins, almost uh, a, a challenge from Mick Foley to, to test the patience of Kevin Owens. If Seth Rollins defeated Chris Jericho, it would be one-on-one as it is. Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens for the universal title in Hell in a Cell. But if Jericho won, he would be added to that match, and it would become a triple threat inside Hell in a Cell. I, my hopes were so high. Um, no matter where Jericho lands on the spectrum of whether you love him, you hate him, to see him live in that setting, going for the title, especially against his best friend Kevin Owens, that would have been something else. Seth Rollins was able to defeat Chris Jericho um, and, and keep him out of that match in Hell in a Cell. Um, what, how, what did you what did you think about Jericho's chances going in, and what what the outcome was?
1: Well, what I loved about that match was that it could have gone either way. Jericho has been an integral staple in this whole WWE Universal Championship picture, pretty much even before a Clash of Champions, alongside Kevin Owens. So. And as you said, I was a bit disappointed myself. Big Rollins fan. I was hoping to see him win, but at the same time, I was hoping we would get a draw so both guys would be in the match or something. I don't know, because I don't want to see Rollins lose, but I also want to see Jericho in the match. There is still time. We still have two Raws left before the pay-per-view, so maybe they do something on Monday to get Jericho added. And if he's not in the match, I'm interested to see where he lands on the show, um, especially since he, he should be at the pay-per-view. He's one of the best things going on Raw all of, I mean, right now, regardless of whether you love him or hate him, as you said. Um, But I love the match. I thought the match itself was very well wrestled. Exceptional stuff. Jericho continued to prove at the age of 45 or whatever it is that he could still go at a very quick rate. He could still go in that ring with the best of them, including Seth Rollins, hands down one of the best wrestlers in this company right now. But I thought the match was great. It was unpredictable. Kind of surprised Rollins won. But like I said, all hope is not yet lost. We could see Jericho added to that title match in the weeks to come. He
0: seems to be setting himself up or setting Kevin Owens up to continue to to pull at the strings of Mick Foley to make those types of things happen, he's a master manipulator. He knows Foley for for years and years. Oh, and we have a knock on the door. Hi, How's we're we're doing a radio show. How are you right. guys doing? Good, good. Sorry, um, is this where the quote board is going? Could be. <laughs>
1: Come on in. Oh, yeah, do you think
0: we're just talking about wrestling? Really? Oh yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> what time do you guys wrap up?
1: Uh, well. Uh, gonna be probably wrap- be done around like twenty twenty five minutes in a little bit. Yeah. Check. Thank you. Right. Right. Thank you very much.
0: Yep. Sometimes we get run ins here on the show. We're too. live. We're you know, live, so baby. This is this is this is uh, what the WWE has to face every week. Now that they have two live premiere shows, what are you gonna do? We are mere minions to management here. Um, <laughs> so speaking of it, you know what? You know what? That, speaking of run ins, Kevin Owens had a run in the main event, and Kevin Owens had a run in the main event. You know what? But though, I, I just want to take a minute here. I, I miss a great opportunity, and, and I'm going to rectify it right now because you know what? Those guys, they just made the list. They made the list. They made the list, and let's go <laughs> over the list right now. This is from Fox Sports. They have uh, a multitude of other resources have posted it, but Fox Sports just happens to have the least amount of obnoxious pop-up advertising so I can actually read this without my browser crashing. Uh, thank you very much, PW Insider. Um, <laughs> let's go through the, a, a quick list That is the list of Jericho that has now been published uh, and shared publicly by Chris Jericho himself. Let's start at the top here. It says Mick Foley for screwing over Y2J, Y2J's best friend Kevin Owens, and the entire show. Period. Terrible fashion sense. Just adding it on there. They're on on the list. The latest edition? And it might not. Yeah. So Mick Foley, he's Uh on the list. Number two, a WWE fan in Memphis, Tennessee. Guess what, pal? You made the list. Enzo Amore and Big cast, no-brainer. The Shining Stars, no-brainer. The New Day, no-brainer. The Club, Gallows and Anderson. To which Jericho says all four tag teams are listed in the subgroup of the list of stupid idiots. A- a- as you do. I mean, Jericho is essentially saying that tag teams in general are beneath him. And I, 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 it's hard to argue He's been a part of a, a lot of Iconics Both as a singles competitor and as a tag team competitor If there's anyone that has the gumption to make that claim I suppose it's him uh, Here's an interesting one, potentially my favorite one The cameraman during the highlight reel With Kevin Owens, wrong side to shoot So he, not, <laughs> not, not only Is he specific about the types Of competitors that make the list But it is also everyone from fans To actual production crew That nobody is safe from this list,
1: as a tech guy, you would know.
0: As a tech guy, I would know. Maintenance crew, you just made the list. <laughs> Seth Rollins injured again. He made the list just for being Seth Rollins. Kofi Kingston for questioning Y2J and K.O.'s friendship. That is, that is ultimate. He might have might have bumped it up in priority
1: or, or spelled it with an I, by the way. He spelled it with a Y initially. I think that's on the list as well. Yeah, Kofi.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. you know he he has got his own language. Uh, Big E for not allowing Y2J the champions into the champions huddle. So I mean. Just, just invite him all he needed to be was invited you might have said don't no. exclude him yeah. He probably would have said no yeah but you know just it's nice to be Still, invited exactly uh Xavier Wood make makes the list twice in a row one time for laughing it's on you. that's on you that's on you woods and the second time for making a joke of y2j's best friend Kevin Owens which seems like like just low-hanging fruit anyway but any shots across the bow of Kevin Owens universal champion uh is gonna make Jericho's list and then uh, as, as Jericho uh, uh, so eloquently malformed, uh, Ashton Kuchner and uh, uh, Danny Dumbface, uh, uh, the stars from uh, That 70s Show and, and The Ranch on Netflix uh, who appeared uh, uh, on Monday, um, they, they, they made the list just for showing up in Los Angeles. So that's the list so far. I mean, I can't even imagine. I'm sure the list grows almost every day no matter where he goes um whether it's people on twitter whether it's people walking down the street i'm sure the list is like a scroll by now and and one day much like the dead sea scrolls the list of jericho will be discovered by some sort of you know ape civilization in our in our distant future and they will use these rules to live by and know all of the prominent names that were beneath the legend of chris jericho so this this is uh this is what jericho brought to the table the, all of this, this weight and momentum and uh, he came up with a loss against uh, against Seth Rollins and, and that really closed out the show um, uh, on the Raw side of things so uh, uh, really fascinating to see great show top to bottom um, I, any other thoughts on Raw?
1: I thought Raw was good overall just a very solid show a lot more enjoyable than it has been in recent weeks as the build to Hell in the Cell kind of gets in the uh, most intense part of the build here And a lot of matches shaping up. We have five matches currently scheduled for the pay-per-view next week. Two weeks, actually, we have the go-home show before the pay-per-view, and I can't wait for it. Looking forward to it.
0: But we are going to dive right now. We're going to take a, a quick break here, and we're going to come back to you with our full SmackDown analysis. You are listening to WrestleRant Radio. We are here on Wrestle Rant Radio. Listen online at NextEraWrestling.net. We are talking front to end all things that happened this week on Smackdown Live. Uh, I, I think you got to lead with the headline here. James Ellsworth. Any man with two fists has a fighting chance. He says, proven true with the aid of special guest referee Dean Ambrose in defeating AJ Styles in a non-title competition. Plus a big announcement following that. Let's start off with the competition. Absolutely one of the last things I expected to see on SmackDown. I was totally caught off guard to see James Elworth not only come out, but I figured there's no way that this is going to lead to a matchup between the two of them. He was very buddy-buddy. Uh, you know, A.J. has his arm around him. And then all of a sudden, he, he finds himself uh, squaring off <clears throat> against Ellsworth, but more so having to deal with Dean Ambrose and Dean Ambrose's antics. What did you think of that as the main event match for SmackDown?
1: It's also confirmed for next week. I like how they're not forgetting about it. They're not moving forward from it. Um, it, it will be James Ellsworth versus A.J. Styles next week on SmackDown for the WWE World Championship. Only two days after... AJ Styles overcame the odds against John Cena and Dean Ambrose and No Mercy, then facing James Ellsworth, the, easy, the easiest of opponents, after falling short to Braun Strowman a couple months ago. He then faces James Ellsworth, and he comes up short. It doesn't matter how it happened. He beat him. It doesn't it, matter. It's in the books. It's in the books. As, That's the, exactly Miz, as the Miz
0: would point out, all, all of the low blows, all of the foreign objects aside, when you look back years from now, you're gonna be going down a line, and it's gonna say AJ Styles defeated by James Ellsworth, and that's how that's how it's gonna be remembered. So, like it or not, AJ Styles will be comp- will be defending his WWE World Championship against James Ellsworth. Now, I don't believe a special guest referee has been announced for that matchup. I don't think so. Uh, no. I, I hope that that's not what we see happen. No, nah. um, but Dean Ambrose certainly played a very definitive role in the victory for James Ellsworth, uh, hitting... uh, AJ Styles had a stipulation that uh, he was not allowed to touch the guest referee, Dean Ambrose, in any capacity. But that did not prevent Dean Ambrose from laying hands on the champ, giving him a dirty deeds and and twice, and and basically Triple H style, putting James Ellsworth on top of the champion for that win. Um, This is going to be either a really quick fight or is it possible that james ellsworth can do the unthinkable (laughs) and the true underdog the most under underdog the the dog that's underneath the (sighs) underdog james ellsworth could he somehow shock and surprise even himself and become the wwe world champion
1: in the same calendar year where Zack Ryder, one of the most ultimate underdogs of all ta- of all time, became Intercontinental Champion at WrestleMania, you know what? James Ellsworth, he owns a victory over AJ Styles. Do- again, doesn't matter how it happened. He's beaten him before, he could beat him again, he like you could said. Beat him again. Any two man with uh, any man with two hands has a fighting chance, so he could come out on top and become the new world champion. Who knows? Anything and can happen on SmackDown Live. He
0: might just end up leaving that match with only one. So, uh, ca- uh, continuing along, the champion's uh, the champions' uh, prerogative here, Dolph Ziggler, um, he went up against the Spirit Squad in a two-on-one match. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, The Miz was out there to uh, uh, taunt and annoy Dolph Ziggler, but Dolph Ziggler had a big smile on his face. He is now the Intercontinental Champion, and uh, it suits him very well. Now, at no mercy, he may not have been in the main event last match position, but he should have been. That match should have absolutely closed No Mercy. Uh, As great as a matchup between uh, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton that we got. And obviously uh, Luke Harper making a surprise return at the end of No Mercy uh, confronting Randy Orton. Um, There was no match that stood out more that night than it was between Dolph Ziggler and The Miz. What an incredible showcase of talent. Um, Certainly stole the show without even having to say it. Um, uh, and that match uh, will definitely go down as, as a very memorable uh, victory in the career of Dolph Ziggler. And I felt like it was almost a step back to then have, have that whole past put behind you to, to, to overcome those odds, to overcome the sheer amount of, sp- of, of spray that <laughs> Maurice put into his eyes and still, and still come up with that victory, and then to appear on Tuesday uh, on SmackDown and have to take on the Spirit Squad again. Um, it seems like a step back, and it seems like the Miz is doing everything he can to keep Dolph, Dolph Ziggler's feet in the mud. Um, what do you what do you see next for the champion, the Intercontinental Champion?
1: Well, I fear this feud, as great as it's been, um, one of the greatest matches in the career of Dolph Ziggler of the Miz of the year for the Intercontinental Championship. I'll go so far as to say that um, it definitely, absolutely should have closed the show on Sunday at No Mercy, but. I feel like the feud might have peaked on Sunday night. Uh, the story has been so good. Ziggler and Chase Smotee finally overcame the odds. I'm ready for something new. Um, I think these guys have great chemistry. I have no issue with the fact that the more matches they have, the better their chemistry is. I understand that. Um, but like you said, I feel like it's kind of a step back to kind of go back to this feud. I know Miz has his automatic rematch clause, which we'll probably get at some point in the next few weeks. Survivor Series isn't until late November. I don't think they're going to be that long, nor should they. I do like. Um, I do agree. It was just a step back to have the Spirit Squad face Dolph Ziggler, but I do like them keeping the Spirit Squad guys Kenny and Mikey around. I think maybe not with Ziggler, but I think keeping them around and putting them in a tag team division that's already on fire as it is on SmackDown, putting those guys in the tag team scene, which they kind of teased when Heath Slater and Rhino came to the aid of Dolph Ziggler afterwards. Absolutely. So I like that match as a potential match in the near future.
0: I would expect to see uh, some more of them because they are that tier of competitors that uh, would really uh, have a, a lot of energy and bring a lot of energy to the tag team division um, and round it out a little bit more and give everybody uh, a competitive chance. M- you know, Maybe they, they uh, continue uh, using some of their tactics to move up a couple of ranks here or there, but uh, they certainly uh, came out with a, a big showing of force for Dolph Ziggler. Obviously, they have some uh, uh, history between the two of them there uh but speaking of survivor series uh you know we we're going to go through uh smackdown smackdown uh very condensed this week very f- focused smackdown some challenges made for survivor series traditional uh 5 on 5 challenges uh made by Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon to the rod uh, uh uh team um we're going to see uh you know 5 on 5 between the men but 5 on 5 between the women 5 on 5 between tag teams um this kind of, that, that kind of trio of matches is reminiscent of the trio of matches we're going to see at Hell in a Cell. We have three Cell matches at Hell in a Cell. Uh, we're going to have three traditional Survivor Series matches. Uh, this is definitely an interesting way to group all of the talent together and put them through some of the higher stipulation matches that the WWE produces. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for this. I'm, I, I'm really excited for uh, Survivor Series, and I'm really excited to see the kind of momentum that Raw has after they've put their side of the superstars through hell in a cell. Who survives, who comes out on that and is able to survive in the Survivor Series? That's going to be what is interesting to follow. And if you're not watching both shows, you should be listening right here to Rant Radio, and that is
1: a fact. Kurt was, Hawkins, is that you?
0: No, no, that was the Tyson. <laughs> that's the Tyson
1: kid. The real fact, the the real factor. All yeah. right,
0: since you brought it up, I didn't even have it down on my notes. The disappointing, torrid story of one Kurt Hawkins who just gets under my skin at every turn. Didn't even have his first Kurt Hawkins uh, match. Um, <laughs> wasn't disappointed in the slightest of that. Was disappointed that he came out and just sucked up more of my life. How do you feel about Kurt Hawkins at this point?
1: Uh, I like Kurt Hawkins. Um, I am not ashamed to say that I do like Kurt Hawkins. I am a bit disappointed by the fact that he said he was going to have he was going to step in the ring at No Mercy, in which he did, and then he said he would have his first match on SmackDown Live. Not even acknowledged. Did not even show up. He showed up in a backstage segment afterwards after SmackDown went off the air on SmackDown Fallout. Kind of dodged the question whether he shows up next week. I have no idea at this point. I don't really care. It's a lot like with Brodus Clay way back when, when they teased the debut every single week and then he came out as a dancing dinosaur. So will he come out next week with a cane and the Godfather Sue? Who knows? Um, I would not be uh, shocked. He already has the he already actually has the cane, so I wouldn't be shocked. There. He's, he is already halfway there. All he needs uh, is a
0: train. <laughs> um. So, speaking of No Mercy on a roll since No Mercy, Naomi defeated a very amped up, as ever, Carmella, Mm -hmm. um, continuing her win streak. Naomi had a losing streak for for a number of uh, months, uh, spanning uh, uh, even leading up to the brand split and everything like that. Now Naomi is definitely turning a corner, finding more of her prominence in the the landscape of the women's division on SmackDown, with Becky Lynch out right now, um, uh, a very kind of thrown off Alexa Bliss thrown off her game thrown thrown to the wolves by management Naomi is seemingly coming in and cleaning house mm-hmm. basically taking the the kind of spot and mentality that Nikki Bella once had um, Nikki Bella is obviously doing a lot with Total Bellas. She is um, uh, still as much of a threat and a force, and, and getting a win over Carmella at No Mercy was was definite proof that uh, Nikki Bella has not lost a step. But Naomi seems more reinvented uh, and, and focused than ever. It was really great to see that. And uh, speaking of you know people related to Naomi, continuing the animosity we saw. Jimmy Uso defeat Chad Gable as well. Um, talk, talk to me about these competitors. You know, just, just a quick, you know, quick uh, couple of uh, thoughts on both matches.
1: I thought Naomi beating both Carmella and Alexa Bliss really puts her in the contention for the, ta- for the SmackDown Women's Championship with Becky out right now. Well, we do have a rematch set for next Tuesday, Naomi versus Alexa Bliss. If Naomi can beat her again for a second straight time, she could be put in the title match for a third time. Yeah, Patrick.
0: The hat trick exactly. She can do it.
1: She can do it. So she might be added to the title match on November eighth. I think is when the date is. As far as the Usos and American Alpha, good match. I'm glad that the Usos, despite losing at No Mercy, are no really are still maintaining their momentum, beating Chad Gable on Tuesday night, and that rivalry is as ruthless as ever.
0: And and then uh, uh, ruthless was on display between Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper teaming up to defeat Randy Orton and Kane. Luke Harper's first in you know uh, televised in ring action that we've seen him in and forever um, and they looked as strong and as uh, calculated as always um, so to see Randy Orton approach Kane as somebody that he could march through hell with it was a noble gesture I doubt Kane would take him up on the offer again mm-hmm. um, especially coming up on the losing side of that Randy Orton is going to go back to his own cloud of madness and uh, that is um, definitely in a nutshell madness is the the name of the game that is happening right now between the wyatt family reunited even even if they're they're only half of what they used to be against one randy orton so time will tell and we will see what happens next week on smackdown Live. But before we get off the air we just have a couple of quick hits coming out of the nxt side of the camp Exciting stuff happening in NXT. Four main points that we want to make here as we close out the show here on Rant Radio. Sanity debuted in full force. And I say force because there was four of them. And it just happened to come out that way. I rolled it off the tongue. I like it. Um, Sanity <laughs> debuted... And it was a uh, first-round qualifying match. They came out as uh, two of their members were in a tag team uh, face-off against Bobby Roode and the Perfect 10, Ty Dillinger. Things, uh, things did not go as gloriously to plan, um, especially for Ty Dillinger, who was left to the wolves of sanity to tear him apart while Bobby Roode fled to the back. Um... Literally it's to it, the Wolf. His it, name is Alexander Wolf, I, by the way. It, it's more, more of these puns are, <laughs> puns are just like. coming up. You know, uh, <laughs> but to say that Bobby Roode would then later go on to blame Ty Dillinger for his own shortcomings, uh, certainly uh, sh- it sheds light on more of the self-centered mindset that uh, the glorious Bobby Roode finds himself in on a day-to-day basis. Ty Dillinger... Um, really put his all and puts his all into this. But you could see the tension between Ty and and Bobby Roode building for the last couple of weeks, and now they have lost their first match. Bobby Roode immediately, uh, in his backstage comments, saying that there's no way... That I I should be a tag team competitor anyway. I'm a singles competitor. This is beneath me, and I blame Ty Dillinger. Will we see Ty Dillinger and Bobby Roode? What, what do you think our chances are of seeing them, the two of them, go at it?
1: Pretty likely. You know Dillinger's not going to forget all about this takeover is taking place in Toronto, the home country of both Bobby Roode and Ty Dillinger, a glorious ten, come that event on November 19th. It's going to be an amazing event. Cannot wait for it if these two do indeed go one-on-one at the show.
0: That would be amazing. And speaking of uh, the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic first-round matches, we saw TM61 defeat... A uh Tino, Tino, Sabatelli. S- Tino Sabatelli And Roderick Moss. Riddick Moss, sorry. Riddick Moss, Riddick, Riddick, Riddick. We got another
1: Roderick on the show.
0: That's that's where that's where <laughs> I was going with it. I'm falling into these things right now. <laughs> let's let's just jump right into the uh to the big announcement. Austin Aries and
1: Roderick Strong, baby. Mr. A- ROH. Now
0: Mr. NXT. Now Mr. NXT Roderick Strong coming to NXT as Roderick Strong um and teaming up. With a very uh, uh, very focused Austin Aries right now, this uh, this uh, tag team classic uh, for Dusty Rhodes definitely means a lot to the NXT talent, both as singles competitors teaming up to be part of this challenge, and as tag team talent uh, finding uh, and looking for to put their mark on the NXT tag team landscape. Um, I, I have a lot of um, uh, good feeling behind. This team up, especially Austin Aries, finding a partner like Roderick Strong, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do in their debut match together.
1: It's going to be amazing. Having history as former ROH World Tag Team Champions, they are a dominant force in this Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Absolutely. Um, and
0: uh, uh, we saw Billy Kay, uh, who believed that she would go out and be dominant over Liv Morgan. Uh, this past week, very, very, very uh, inconsiderate of Liv Morgan. To be honest with you, she was very dismissive of Liv, Liv Morgan. Billy Kay has a gigantic chip on her shoulder, and uh, it helped. It helped every bit because Billy Kay got that defeat over Liv Morgan. I think this is Liv's second loss in a row. Um,
1: well, after falling short to Asuka, yep,
0: yep. So, um, uh, definitely Liv is uh, still putting her herself uh, and her body on the line to go out there and have. Uh, big matches, whether it be against the champion Oscar, whether it be against Billy Kay, but Billy Kay certainly had uh, a, a lot more of a um, devious move set to go against uh, the flashiness of Liv Morgan. So uh, we'll see where Liv uh, lands next, and if this continues, this uh, this kind of war of words and, and attitudes against Billy Kay, if that starts to brew even further. Uh, but we will close on this: Shinsuke Nakamura has returned to knock out Samoa Joe and make a definitive statement that Joe cannot run rampant on the NXT universe anymore. What was your thoughts on the the appearance by Shinsuke Nakamura, and what does that mean going forward?
1: Well, I mean, it was just announced the next day at TakeOver Toronto, which I also want to tell you about before we go off the show with one more match being announced uh, by WWE.com. But TakeOver Toronto, what is Shinsuke versus... Versus uh, Samoa Joe for the NXT Championship Part 2. The attack on Wednesday was amazingly well done. A lot of intensity there. Just so much brewing between these two. Shinsuke is back. The crowd went nuts. Samoa Joe has been more ruthless than ever before. This is a different Samoa Joe than we saw in Brooklyn. Come TakeOver, we could very well see a two-time, for the first time ever, a two-time NXT Champion crowned in Samoa Joe. So I'm looking forward to this battle come TakeOver Toronto. Only one of two matches already announced for the show. And if you allow me, I would love to tell you the announcement that was announced last night please, on WWE.com. I've been com. dying.
0: I have purposefully kept this information for myself, <laughs> so please surprise me now.
1: As we go off the show, on this high note, at TakeOver Toronto, it was announced last night at the tapings, but it was made official on WWE.com. It will be Asuka for the NXT Women's Championship facing Mickey James. Ooh, that's
0: awesome. Oh,
1: you heard it here, folks.
0: Asuka Hart. NXT Women's Champion facing off against Nikki James. Incredible news. A fantastic show as always, Graham. And you can listen to WrestleRant Radio online. Listen at NextArrowWrestling.net. your front end WWE news resource. I'm Tommy Sharp alongside Graham GSM Matthews. We will see you next Friday here on WrestleRant Radio.